Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, and today on the Rock Metal Podcast, we have Kalen Austin out of Australia, Brisbane, who is a modern, hard-hitting metal producer, and we got in contact because I just finished chatting with your band, The Stranger, and the PR agency in charge of that um, said, by the way, you do these like industry insider chats. Would you want to chat with um, the metal producer who, who did this? And I thought, yes. I do. <laughs> so, so right on, man. Yeah. So, welcome to the show, Kalen. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me, man. It's good to be here. Absolutely. Now you mentioned it's two a.m. I'm guessing that's because you just finished in the studio. Yeah, short. <laughs> Something like that, man. Uh, yeah, I apologize to anyone that's listening. I'm definitely not at uh, firing on all cylinders right now. It's very late, but uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do to. Uh, to get the word out this is very true now something you mentioned there i thought was really cool because um i chat with a lot of bands who have a mix engineer in the group or or whatever recording engineer in the group and it's i don't want to say it's a tough business to get into but you gotta hit the pavement uh you know to build up your your roster with quality bands not just good sounds but Mm -hmm. quality bands and uh get the word out so Take us through that maybe for a second. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, look, anyone that's been doing this for a little while will tell you that kind of word of mouth is the biggest, uh, the biggest thing that's going to work in your favor when you're trying to get any kind of business like this off the ground. When you when you are in the, in the creative industry and you're doing something that is a service for people, but at its core is you know is something creative. Um, that's going to be fueled by people just hearing what you do and thinking it's cool and wanting to work with you. So um, I've been lucky in the way that um, my own band, The Stranger, um, you know, our music's been out there for a little while and, um, you know, people hear what I do and hear what I've written and hear what I've produced and all that kind of stuff and, and oftentimes want to come and work with me because of that. So I've, I've had this sort of core sort of uh, springboard, if you will, um, for a lot of my producing stuff, but, um, you know, the more bands that you work with, they, it starts to get out there and eventually just start hitting critical mass where people just start hitting you up out of the blue, you know? Um, it's that thing where, you know, you're doing all right when strangers start to contact you, right. You know, because it's like you, you start out, you've got, you know, your band and then your friend's bands and then their friend's bands and that kind of stuff. And then when people hit you completely out of the blue, you're like, oh, all right, okay, I guess <laughs> I guess I've got something going here that people seem to value. So <laughs> I feel the same yeah. way with my podcast. When as soon as I start getting spam on YouTube, I'm like, you know, I think I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right, man. It's uh it's weird these things that matter to us for validation, but you know <laughs> It, it matters. It matters. Yeah, it's true. And then you, know, you get other points as well. Like, uh, maybe did you have the the issue of asking for money? Like, yeah, yeah, sure, just get me a pizza. I'll do it for free. Or, you know, uh, no, I never really quite did that. Like, I think um, I, I've done a couple of free things here and there over the years, but only when it was just like you know a friend that was kind of in dire straits, and I was just like, whatever, I got a day free or whatever. Um, for the most part, it was just like, I just started out charging not much. Like my first serious album project, uh, was the first album I did for, uh, a band called Seraphic. I did their first album. Um, 
I just charged them a flat fee of I think it was either two grand or two and a half grand Australian. Um, but that, when all was said and done, once we'd recorded drums, bass, guitars, piano, vocals, harmonies, all that kind of stuff, and I'd mixed the whole thing, I think I worked it out and I was getting about $4 an hour. So it's like, you know, it's just, just your classic kind of starting out thing. But, you know, gradually... <laughs> Gradually over the years, you know, you start, uh, you kind of get to a point where you go, you know, okay, I want to actually want to take this seriously and, and see it as a career and I have to start charging enough to at least keep a roof over my head and that's sort of where I'm right now. So, yeah, it's, you know, I'm I'm not going to lie, like I've, I've still got a long way to go just like anyone in this business really, but it's, you know, it's at a point now where actually I'm, I'm starting to charge something that actually makes me feel like it's worthwhile so that's that's a that's a good feeling mm-hmm. yeah groovy now i guess one of my next questions is because up here on the site looking for a modern hard-hitting metal production and immediately i'm like genius because either i am or i'm not and it, <laughs> yeah <laughs> if i'm not then i go somewhere else uh what is a modern hard-hitting metal production what does that mean well, I mean, I look the the essentially what I'm trying to do there is just speak to bands, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of bands don't really know what they want. Like they they'll have a lot of ideas about what they think they want and how they they think they're going to achieve it. Right. But ultimately, you know, this genre is about impact most of all. Like I I you know, I talk to a lot of people who don't know really what metal is or, you know, and they're like, oh, so what's the difference between like, you know, rock and metal and that sort of thing? I'm like, well, really, it's just that you've, you've got, you know, rock music, which is, you know, like loud drums and, and you know, um, driven guitars and all that kind of stuff. But metal takes it to this whole other level where you're impacting people in a much more intense sort of way. Um, and I think anyone that's, you know, uh, that's created music in this genre that wants to make a riff that really slams and make people's head, you know, make people nod their heads and that sort of thing. Ultimately what they're after is impact. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, obviously everyone's got their own way of going about that and everyone's probably got their own idea of exactly what that means. But, um, when I think impact, I think hard hitting, you know what I mean? I just think that thump in my chest like that. Just like, Oh man, that's sick. Right. So that's that's kind of <laughs> that's what I'm going for there, yeah. Yeah, I, I've had people ask me that, and I say I just say room mics. Rock music has a yeah. lot of room mics. You, you use the direct mics as pepper. Metal's the exact <laughs> yeah. opposite of that. Uh, exactly. Actually, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. And what's it, good though is I think in you know in a lot of a lot of recent productions and stuff um, in metal, I am seeing people start to use those room mics a little bit more. They're starting to matter a little bit more, especially when it comes to like snare sounds and that kind of thing, which I sort of like, you know what I mean? I think, I think metal's gone through several stages. Like it started out very raw, which is basically coming straight out of the punk scene, right? Like in the like early eighties and that kind of stuff, Um, you know, with Metallica and the thrash scene and all that sort of stuff. And then it sort of like had this sort of interesting sort of mid period in the nineties with bands like Pantera and everything where production was, they were starting to wrap their head around what that meant. And then you had this kind of golden age of production in the, in the early thousands with new metal and that sort of stuff where they were in this sort of like, they were still using a lot of the analog stuff, but there was the digital stuff coming over as well. And then 
sort of after that, you just had this insane reliance on samples, right? Just yeah. like just samples everywhere on everything all the time. Everything sounded artificial. Every snare sounds like it's a cannon, mm. that kind of thing. And look, that's a sound and people still go for that. And I think that's really cool. But I, I'm starting to see people getting a little bit sick of that because um, you can only hear that, you know, you can only hear Slate Kick 10 so many times before <laughs> it's like you want to hear something a little bit different, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think that's, you know, there's a lot of producers that are starting to really value that um, and they're, they're sort of the ones that I tend to, you know, uh, put on some distant mountain top somewhere as the, the ultimate goal to strive for. So, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, what was I going to say? I was going to say something else, and then I didn't. I cut you off. I'm sorry, man. No, it's okay. It's beautiful. Uh, so we're chatting about getting the word out. We're chatting about impacting, metal being impact. And uh, that, <clears throat> using all those uh, you know snare samples and kick samples and all that, especially like metalcore, it's like 2005-ish, whatnot, you know, seven mm-hmm. snare samples in your drop or whatever. Like yeah. that, That's the whole reason for that, so that you can really just drive that impact home and you know listening back now a lot of it does sound completely ridiculous and it probably did even then too (laughs) yeah (laughs) but But that's that's the point i guess you know like um but you know that's um what i what i really like is that we uh hmm. so i think people tend to look on the past with rose-colored glasses like especially when it comes to things like preamps and analog gear and all that kind of stuff Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's definitely something there from the past that's, that was wonderful and that's worth hanging on to. But at the same time, I think it's also worth mentioning that we, like the whole world has just gotten so much better at production. You know what I mean? Like there, if you listen to some, like there's a lot of, like there's some really incredible production from like the 60s, 70s, 80s and stuff. Yeah. But a lot of it was actually pretty bad by today's standards like you know we've just gotten better at at doing this stuff in the same way that it's like you know like muscle cars from the 70s were cool but cars today are better cars you know they Mm -hmm. operate better they use less less gas they you know they less less fatalities all these kind of things we're better at making cars we're better at production um but that's not so fun about driving kaylin what's fun about driving yeah Yeah, I know, and I like to drive fast all the time. I'm, I'm that asshole that still thinks he's eighteen every time he gets a car. Well, you know, the funny but, thing um, is, uh, I've been listening actually to uh, more new metal lately than I think I ever have in my life, and that's all my high school years, which is funny. I just kind of avoided it, skirted around it at the time uh, yeah. as best as I could. And now I'm listening back to it, and I'm really appreciating it because. When you listen to a corn record from 1996, that's them. There's no samples. There's no MIDI bass. There's no time alignment. Uh, you yeah. know, when they're going for that, they want it to sound like it's exploding. You can hear the preamp overloading. You can hear everything. Uh, they're, they're just going for it. And now, in retrospect, 20 years later, I just find it really refreshing to listen back to that stuff and go, whoa, this is a real band. Not to say there isn't yeah, a real no, band going absolutely. forward, right? But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean, and that's that's still what sort of what I was alluding to earlier when I said that we're sort of moving back out of the sample heavy arena into trying to get something a little bit more natural and a little bit more real. Yeah. Because yeah, it's like um, I think a lot of musicians and a lot of uh, 
a lot of bands, a lot of producers are starting to sort of crave that again. Um, and, but the thing is, it's like, I, we learned so much in the process that we'll never go back to that style of production. You know what I mean? It will be a new thing that will be natural in its own way, yeah. but we'll kind of take some cues from there. So like, you know, I mean, one of the people, uh, there's kind of two producers that I really look up to in this regard. Um, the first one is a guy called Jens Bogren. I don't know if you're familiar with Jens. Mm-hmm. Fascination um, Street Studios in Sweden, baby. That's the one. Yeah, he is, he is, as far as I'm concerned, basically as good as you can get um, as far as metal production goes. And he's done everything from, you know, he, he the really kind of uh, analytical standing, you know, it mixes with like Arch Enemy and that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, especially in recent years, like he's he's really made a massive focus on trying to have a, a really natural sound. Like he doesn't use a lot of samples. He doesn't, you know, he, he, he works to try and make it sound like it's a band you're hearing playing in a room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really love that. I really appreciate that. Like, um, you know, he makes the latest, um, uh, Catatonia album sounds freaking incredible. The latest Caligula's horse album. Um, obviously he's done, you know, in my opinion, Opeth's two best albums. Um, you know, all, all these sorts of things. Sepultura's um, latest album. I mean, it's about what a year yeah. or two old now, but uh, Quadra. He did Quadra. That's right. That's right. And I think that's you know these albums are so good, and we love them so much because they do just sound like bands. They don't sound like they've been edited within an inch of their life and that sort of thing. Um, and the other the other one is like you know I always hesitate to mention him, but he's he is so incredible. And um, I, I say I hesitate to mention him because he's he's so popular right now, and that's uh, Nolly. Um, mm-hmm. Adam Nolly get good, you know, yeah. like he's just everywhere. You can't ignore what he does. Um, but once again, I really respect him because one, once you learn about how he, he does a full mix, like if he was involved in the, in the drum tracking, like if he set up the, the, you know, the drum production, generally the only samples that he'll use will be a very light blend on the kick drum and only for consistency, not to change the sound or anything, just to make sure that the kicks are like, even in 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 um, in dynamics, but the rest of it is you know no samples at all. It's just that, and, and they they still sound so incredibly cohesive and tight and wonderful. But they, it sounds like a band playing as well as a band can possibly play, and I really really respect that. Um, I mean, I've had to use a lot more samples than I wanted to on on previous mixes and that sort of stuff. You know, and a lot of that's unfortunately you can't get around that sometimes if you. For example, working with a drummer that doesn't know how to do a rim shot or like, <laughs> you know, vocalists that can't really sing in tune and these sorts of things. Like, you know, that that's that's just a reality of, of working with bands and I, I have no yeah. doubt that I'm going to have to do a lot of that in my future. But every time I work with a band who's got the skill to pull it off, I'm going to be making them sound like them and no one else. And that means that just using as little trickery and samples as possible. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just recently I was working with a vocalist and she sang something and I said, okay, um, in order for this to be industry standard, we're going to have to pitch correct it and time align it. And she was okay with that. And then I said, Mm. uh, and if you want, after I do that, I can do it egregiously and then you can practice to that (laughs) and then you can sing it again. Uh, And she was like, no, no, don't do it egregiously. I don't want to sing it again. So she was actually really, she was okay with that. But uh, 
that was kind of rare. A lot of singers I find are very much like, no, 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 I don't need that. You do. Um, So (laughs) if, if you don't want it, then you're going to have to work. And you went back to some great recordings uh, from back in the day. And there's a lot of crap ones out there. Uh, Mm. But if I think of like Credence Clearwater revival, that Mm. is, that is a tight band on tape, baby. Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. And like, that's the thing. Like, Go, and even back to like the Motown days and that sort of stuff was obviously where Clear Clearwater came from, mm-hmm. but like you know, it's it it always it's you know it always comes back to that same thing, which is just if you get it right at the sort, source, if you have great musicians playing tightly, it's hard to make it sound bad at the end of the day. You yeah, know? yeah. So that's, that's mm-hmm. there you go. People out in in rock metal podcast land, listening in or watching <laughs> on YouTube, if you want to sound great, you got to be great. Um, yeah, it's so true. You can't polish a turd, man. No, and like you, well, you, you could, it'd just you, be a shiny turd. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> and you get pretty dirty in the process. But um, <laughs> the, the uh, what you what you mentioned before about that conversation you had with that vocalist—that's um, I'm gonna be honest. It's a little bit more transparent than I have a tendency of being. Like normally, when I work with a vocalist, it's like I'll work to get them as close to the ballpark as I can. But you usually within an hour or so of working with a vocalist, you kind of get a sense of what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point, what I'm real, what I really care about is the delivery and the emotion. And I'm less concerned about the pitch because it's like I'm I'm fucking sorry. I don't know if I can swear. I'm amazing in Melodyne. It's, it's like I know what I'm doing there, and so it's like it, you know, unless they're really, really out, I know I'm going to be able to make it sound natural, and you know, like they just sung well in tune and that sort of thing. So all I really care about is like, do I believe it? Like, and that's what that's one of the things I, I, I like to say a lot when I'm when I'm working with a vocalist. It's like, yeah, it was like it was it wasn't a bad take, but I didn't really believe it, you know. And that yeah. that seems to kind of spark something, and they're like, oh yeah, right, and generally we can get get it from there so and then um i'll be like oh you know um i'll just i'll pitch correct a few notes here and there and that sort of thing and they're like yeah yeah that's fine and then i'll go through and you know generally it'll be more than just a few notes but um uh i'm all but i'm i'm really straight up about harmony vocals i'm like don't worry guys i'll be pitch correcting these within and into their life so because that's the thing about like you know harmony vocals are really their unless you're intentionally making them a feature, they're there more to be flavor than mm-hmm. anything. And so it's like, you you know, it doesn't matter if they're, you know, sound like they've been auto-tuned. Yeah. Well, but that's some, just my, my approach. Yeah. No, harmonies, you can iron those things out like, like crazy mm. to the point where it doesn't even sound like anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's just another instrument in a way at that point. Yeah, exactly. They have, mm. they have a different purpose at that point. Mm. Uh, and even then, finding a vocalist who knows how to switch from lead to harmony is a different vocal style altogether. Absolutely, yeah. And that's like um, I've I've worked with one or two vocalists in my time that could do that, um, but for the most part, uh, I when I'm working with a band, I usually take it upon myself to sort of, uh, to come up with most of the harmonies and coach them pretty heavily through that process because, um, I was very lucky. So from when I was a little kid, I come, I come from a pretty musical family. Um, everyone in my family either sings or plays an instrument of some kind. Um, and my dad has a really, really good ear for pitch. 
And so we'd be all be singing in the car and everything. And like, I'd be singing my dad like, ah, ah, Kaylin, you flat. Like this sort of thing. Or, oh, that was a bit sharp there, mate, that sort of thing. And so, you know, someone I was a little kid. So, and you know, at the time I was just like, oh, grumpy about it. But like, I'm really grateful now because now I have, it's like, I've obviously I don't have perfect pitch. That's something you're born with. Yeah. Um, Rick Beato has done some amazing videos about that, but um, I have, basically perfect relative pitch and that's allowed me to get really creative with harmony so it's like if i'm driving along in the car just listening to music or whatever like it's something i do all the time where i'll just start singing a harmony to the main vocal when there isn't one and doing that for years and years and years has meant that i've i've kind of i've built up quite a facility when it comes to layering harmonies and 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 you know getting interesting with uh chord structures and harmonic structures that you know, that can really underpin the vocal in a, in a nice way. And I think a lot of the artists that I've, and vocalists I've worked with, um, usually haven't delved into that stuff too much because they're just, they always, you know, when they're singing live, they're only singing the main, the main line and all that kind of thing. So a lot of them are very happy to kind of hand that off to me and have them, have me just tell them what to do the whole way through. Um, but every now and again, when you get to work with someone that really knows what they're doing, that's lovely because you can just sit back and hit record and it's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Reminds me of the scene from Step Brothers where uh, the rich the rich son, the successful rich son is in the car with his family and they're all singing. And he's like, I paid for vocal lessons, sing it right or something. And yeah. All right. I never saw that one. Sorry, ah, man. It's great. Ah. <laughs> it might bring back memories. Who knows? Yeah. Very cool. Now. Yeah. yeah. So we've chatted about, as a producer, getting the word out, how to make impact with your music. Something else was great was making someone believe uh, your music, which I think if we can wrap up a couple of things that we chatted about today, it's uh, what's in front of the microphone. Is is the source good? And if the source is good, I believe what you're saying, and I'm captivated by what you're doing, then we're going to forgive the fact that you might be a little flat or you're a little sharp or or whatever. Uh, and if the style of music dictates or the record label dictates, then we can fix that in, in the computer. But um, as long as I believe what you're doing, what's in front of the microphone, then mm. then we're good. Um, I have a whole bunch of really silly questions here. Like, Kalen, what is producing? Kalen, what is mixing? What is mastering? But <laughs> we spent a good amount of time chatting, I think, a little bit about that. Is there anything in particular that you wanted to get out there that maybe, I don't know, a common question or a common gripe that, that you have that like, Hey, by the way, bands, here's this. <laughs> don't, oh, if you're, if you have a $500 budget, please don't show me Metallica's black album. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're recording no, in your bedroom, it, please don't show me Metallica's black album. Yeah, that's it, man. Look, the thing is, I, I'm i that guy that will work my ass off regardless of what the budget is. Like, I, purely for my own selfish reasons, like, I can't have something that doesn't sound as good as I can possibly make it leave my studio. But, man, I can't believe this, uh, it's a conversation I have to have so often. But convincing band members to come in with... Fresh strings, never played, that day, fresh, straight out of the packet, especially for bass guitar, and fresh heads, batter heads for the drums. Like, 
it's it's unbelievable how difficult that conversation is and how often I have to have it and how often I have to say, no, no, we have to do this. It's like, unless you want the album to sound like crap or for me to replace everything so it's not what you played, then we have to do this. And it's just like, I get it. It's like budgets are getting tighter and tighter. You know, most musicians, unless you're, you know, a much bigger band and it's a label project and that sort of stuff, like, they, you know, they're coming out of their own pockets and they want to, you know, save money wherever they can. It's like, I get it. But, you know, once again, you cannot polish a turd. Like, if you're, if you're going to put, like, especially, it seems to matter most on bass, guitar, and toms. Like, because you can, you know, snares, you can, it's not great, but you can work with it. Um, guitar, you know, rhythm guitars and that sort of stuff. Again, it's not great, but you can brighten them up. But, with a bass guitar, after like, you know, after an even an hour or two, they've lost that lovely, clanky, high-end, wonderful thing that allows you to blend it in with the guitars so nicely. And like with toms, they just sound like, you know, mud. Mm-hmm. So it's anyway. Point is, this is having <laughs> this rant a lot lately, man. But it's just, just if you want it to sound good. Bring your best stuff to the recording and bring fresh strings and fresh heads. Please, please, thank you. Mm-hmm. That's sort of my, my one massive gripe. Beyond that, most people are pretty cool. That's cool, man. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Metallica's Black Album, they changed their heads yeah. every song. They would, yeah. They would take, yeah, no. Yeah. Sometimes, several yeah, look, times in a song. Got, yeah, if you got the budget to do it, man do it right like that's the dream i mean yeah it takes a lot in terms of like drum tuning and that sort of thing but oh god it's so worth it oh on the topic of of drum tuning like really getting that dialed in like really learning how to dial it how to tune a drum kit well yeah has been the number one thing over the last i'm going to say two years that has just completely turned my productions around um because it's there is, in my mind, there is nothing more satisfying than perfectly tuning up, you know, three or four toms and a snare to exactly the notes and the pitch that you decide and hearing them. Oh, it's just, it's just the best thing in the world. It's better than sex. So, mm-hmm. I, uh, learn, learn to tune drums. If you don't know how to tune drums, there's a lot of really good information out there. Look it up. It's so worth it. Do it. Beautiful. All right. Kalen, thank you very much for coming on. We chatted about. Uh, you as a producer, getting the word out, impacting with your music, making someone believe your music, being a tight uh, band, having all of your uh, turds not ready to be polished. You're going to bring <laughs> yeah. other things to Leave be polished. Leave the turds at home. Leave the turds yeah. at home, uh, which, uh, you know, change your strings so they're new strings until you change them out as often as you need to. Change your heads, tune your drums properly. I would also even recommend bringing several different symbols because maybe the ride symbol doesn't work that you mm-hmm. that you play live with or your hi hats don't don't work that you play live with. Uh, bring different sticks, bring different guitar picks. Uh, guitar picks yep. can make a massive difference uh, on what's going yeah. on there. I, I've got a massive bag full of every kind of pick you can imagine. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I just hand them to them. Use this. Yep, cool. You're done. Boom. Sweet. Yep. All right. Wow. Kalen, thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, man. It was good chat. I enjoyed it.